You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, we are here from Detroit, Michigan, which is a lot different than Indiana. We actually haven't had uh, public services since March of 2020. Uh, but I brought some of my family here, and I promised them I wouldn't do this, but why don't you guys, Cassie, Nathan, stand up. Uh, Stone, Stone, stand up. John, Hannah, little baby Silas. Um, yeah. They, uh, they all, of course, my family had to move, but Stone and John and Hannah moved with us, and uh, no promise of a job, uh, no promise of survival, really, and uh, just had a dream in their heart to plant a church in Detroit, and uh, we started services in September of 2019, and uh, we're off to a great start, and then the pandemic shut us down, but we've been meeting online and meeting in small groups, and you should know uh, that not only have Andrew and Heather been extremely good friends to us, thank you for your friendship, uh, your pastors have been extremely good to us, uh, but this church has been good to us. There are families in this church that have supported us financially. And uh, there is still a church standing in Detroit because of Antioch. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm excited to share some of God's word with you today. And I, I think uh, it may, I have 36 minutes. All right, so, um, so I want you to grab your Bible and turn to Psalm chapter 34. Psalm chapter 34. I have a message that um, I told Andrew last night has kind of been burning uh, in my bones. In fact, as we were driving here, my family drove yesterday, and it seemed like every uh, mile marker that we got closer and closer to this city, it just kept burning inside of me. And um, it's a message that I've never written before, never given before. I recorded it for our church this weekend, but I think it's, it's a specific message for right now, for the people that are here. And sometimes, uh, sometimes the Lord will do this. He'll, he'll literally give a a message from the halls of heaven for people. And I think that's what this is. So uh, Psalm chapter 34, I'm going to read most of this to you out of the New King James Version, but first I want to give you the idea of the way that the Lord gave it to me. Um, as I was praying through this, the, the title of the message is The Name of God. The Name of God. And here's kind of the way the Lord gave me the idea. <clears throat> Um, you know, everything that you love in life has a name. Everything that you love in life has a name. And some things came into your life with a name. Some of us had the privilege of naming some of the things in our life that we love, but everything that you love has a name. And we exalt or magnify many of the names in our lives. But where is the reverence for God's name and his son's name? There are many names that we elevate as a society or that we elevate in our personal lives that are okay to elevate, but are they taking the place of God's name, the name of God? The name of God is holy, and his place in our life should be holy. And, you know, we talked about that. We sang about that, that there is a king that sits on a throne. And we serve a king that deserves all of our praise, all of our attention. And he deserves to be honored. And so in Psalm chapter 34, the Bible talks about this. But before we get into it, you know, um, we also, we serve a God. 
And he's not a distant God. He came to us, Emmanuel, God in flesh. And when he came on earth, we see throughout scripture that our great adversary, the wicked one, Satan, and his demonic forces, they have a preferred name for God. They don't just call him God because they recognize that there are many little G gods in the world. We all can create little G gods in our life. But they had a preferred name for God. In fact, Satan talked about it in Isaiah. He was the, most of you know this, he was the worship leader in heaven. He was an angel. He was the most beautiful angel. And when he got pride in his heart, the Bible said he began to talk with these really lofty terms. He began to talk about ascending to the place of the most high God. The most high God. There are many gods, but there's only one who is the most high. When uh, Jesus was walking the earth, one time he came in in contact with a demoniac. You can read this story in Mark uh, chapter 5, I believe it is. And then this person was filled with thousands of demons. And when they saw Jesus, the demoniac demoniac said to him, what are you going to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? They recognized the position of God. And so before I read this passage of scripture to you, we're going to be in Psalm 34 all day today, um, and we're just going to break it down. Um, I have one question for you, and I want us to all wrestle with this today, and then we'll try to resolve it at the end of our time. But if, if God is who he says he is, and he is the most high God, and he is deserving of honor and praise in our lives, then here's the question that I have for you. What names are you giving too much weight to in your life? What names are you giving too much weight to? Now, for all my English teachers in here, I know I ended that with a preposition. You'll have to forgive me. It just sounded really good. What names are you giving too much weight to? All right, so in, um, let me read this to you first. In Psalm chapter 33, uh, verse 5, you don't have to turn there. You can stay in Psalm chapter 34. In Psalm chapter 33, the psalmist says, God loves whatever is just and good, and his unfailing love fills the earth. His unfailing love fills the entire earth. So what that means is that the love of God, the grace of God, the name of God is present everywhere. It fills the earth. It's present here. It's present in our streets. It's present in our courthouses. It's present present in our White House. It's present in the homes of believers. His unfailing love is present in the homes of unbelievers. But here's the deal. Some people just can't see it. It's hidden. It's hidden because we have lifted up and elevated so many other names that the name of God seems small. It seems small. So let me read this to you in Psalm chapter 34. I'm going to read this out of the New King James Version. This is King David. He wrote this psalm. It's actually in Hebrew. It's an acrostic. So it begins with uh, a different Hebrew letter all the way down in the poetry. And this comes from a time when he was in a really bad place. He actually thought his life was going to be taken from him and the Lord delivered him. And he says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. I want you to listen to the elevation of the names that King David gives here. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify 
the name of the Lord. Underline that word in your Bible if you're into highlighting and underlining your Bibles. Oh, magnify the name of the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. Magnify the name of the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. What does the word magnify mean? The word magnify means to take something that appears small and make it appear large. Oh, magnify the name of the Lord. That's what we did in worship. I love even the worship songs that we picked. We magnified the name of the Lord because here's what happens when you worship and you magnify the name of the Lord. Every single one of us walked in here with things in our lives that felt detrimental, that felt like they're tearing us apart, that felt like they were literally sucking the life out of us. And when you magnify the names of those things that are sucking the life out of you, they literally suck the life out of you. But when you magnify the name of the Lord, this is how I teach it to my church. When you magnify the name of the Lord, it's like the great exchange. Here's what happens. You walk into a place like this and everything in life seems so large and God seems really small. But then when you magnify the right name, when you magnify the name of the Lord, you worship, you worship, you magnify his name and his name becomes bigger and your problems become smaller. Oh, magnify the name of the Lord. That's what King David was talking about. He was a warrior. He knew how to fight battles. He could have delivered himself, but he said, no, 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 I'm not going to magnify myself or my strength or my problem. I'm going to magnify the name of the Lord. So what names in your life are you giving too much weight to? You see, the name of God right now in our world and probably in many of our homes seems very small. And the psalmist said, you must magnify the name of the Lord. So there are many names that are being lifted up. There are many suggestions that are being given to all of us about how to live life, about how to make our circumstances better, how to get through whatever it is that we're going through. But there is still only one name that will resolve the issues in our life. So we have to magnify the name of the Lord. That word exalt was really interesting to me as I did a word study on this the Hebrew word for exalt, it means to hold in high regard, but it also has a double meaning. It also means to put it on a banner and lift it up high. So many of us, many of us, all of us, have banners that we live our lives under. We have literally made names of things in our lives. It could be a health issue. It could be something that's happening in society, and we have lifted these up as the banner that we march under. But the psalmist said, let us exalt the name of the Lord. Let us lift up the name of the Lord. And I would, I would hope that this would be your prayer, but I know for me and my house, we're still only going to lift one name. There's still only one name. There's still only one name that is given under heaven that men and women can call on to be saved. There is no other name. There is no other name. There'll be many names that come. There'll be many organizations that come. There'll be many ideas that come, but there will be only one that lasts. The name of Jesus will stand the test of time. It's still the only name. It's the only name you can run to. It's a strong tower. It's the only name. So what name are we giving too much weight to in our lives? You see, um, I think God's name does seem a little bit small in our society. And um, I thought about not saying this, but I think I'm going to say it anyway. So, um, <laughs> you know, as I, I like to read, I like to read like a, 
an actual Bible, like a leather-bound Bible. There's nothing, I have the Bible on my phone. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's just been, I don't know, this past year is just kind of like holding a Bible in your hands like nostalgic, right? There's so many things that's been taken from us, but you're not going to take this from me. You have to come get it, right? And um, so, but this is scripture. This is scripture. And uh, there are many types of scripture in the world. I'm not talking about translations of the Bible. Scripture is something that you hold very valuable and sacred and that you direct your life based upon. And um, the pages in this scripture are how you want to lead your life. But many of us, Christians and non-Christians, have chosen to live our lives by the pages that are somewhere else. They're not in this book. And life is really not that confusing. It's really not that hard to figure out. Um, it's really not that hard to understand. The reality is we've just kind of forgotten about being in this book. And when we're reading the pages of what the news tells us or what social media tells us or what our friends tell us, then that becomes our scripture. That becomes our truth. And we get confused about how to live our life. So we've got to stay focused on God's word and not give too much weight to the wrong things. What things are you giving too much weight to in your life? So Psalm chapter 34, back to our text. I will bless the name of the Lord. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the name of the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. So why do we lift up the name of the Lord? Why is it the main name that we lift up in our life? And I want you to hear me. I'm not saying you can't have other things in your life that you stand for. You can't have other things in your life that are important to you. You can't have other names that you lift up. They just can't be magnified above the name of Jesus. We got to keep the main thing, the main thing. The, and this is why the psalmist says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. And he delivered me from my fears. There's no other name that's going to deliver you from your fears. He delivered me from my fears. And then they, speaking of Christians, they looked to him. They didn't look to another name. They looked to him and they were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. That word, um, that word radiant in the Hebrew is the word nahar, N-A-H-A-R. And it means to, to sparkle or to be cheerful it's the word that the Hebrews actually use to describe the sheen on, a, on running water in a river. Those who look to the Lord will be radiant. You know what you look at shows on your face. If, if I don't, I'm not trying to discount anything that anybody's going through. I know there's some real issues happening in your lives. We've got issues happening in our lives. But if we put our face in God's word, it becomes radiant. It will sparkle. This is what you need. We've got to stay in God's word. There's many things that are distracting us that sound really important. And many of them are important. But one of, I believe one of Satan's age-old tricks, he hasn't changed much. When he was in the garden, he came in as that, that sneaky old serpent. And there was no confusion for Adam and Eve in how to live life. There was no confusion in what they were supposed to do. There was no confusion in their purpose. The Bible says that they were naked and unashamed. It was a great place to be. <laughs> they had no confusion about their life and what they were supposed to do. But then the serpent came to the one tree that they were a bit confused about and said, hey, I know everything else makes sense, but what about this issue? Come, let's, let's discuss this issue. Let's look into this issue together. 
And it was the thing that caused their downfall. So what are we giving too much weight to in our lives? Verse six, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord, speaking of Jesus, encamps around all of those who fear him. You're going to hear that word fear, and we're going to come back to it, because it does not mean to be afraid. I'm going to tell you what that means here in just a moment. But when we look to the Lord, when we magnify the name of the Lord, when we lift up his name to the place where it's supposed to be in our lives, then the Bible says Jesus literally encamps around us. That's a word that you don't use very often, but it literally means to like create your battle lines around, to protect, to create a wall of protection around. So who gets that? Who gets that protection? Those who magnify the name of the Lord, who elevate the name of the Lord. Yes, there's other things that I love. There's other things that I celebrate, but there is nothing that I lift up higher than the name of Jesus. There's no one else that I'll be known for other than the name of Jesus. Listen, there's no other allegiance that I will give my life to than the name of Jesus. I will magnify and exalt the name of the Lord. Those who do that, the angel of the Lord encamps around him and he delivers them. Verse eight, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him, not in other things, but trusts in him, not in their own ability, not in an organization, not in a nation, but those who trust in him. Oh, fear the Lord, all you his saints. And there is no want in those who fear him. There's no poverty in those who fear him. That word want means to be impoverished. There is no want in those who fear him. Verse 10, the young lions lack and suffer hunger. This would be, uh, the psalmist here is talking about like the, 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 the young and mighty, the superstars. This would be like the superstars in the land, the athletes, the people that we think are famous, that we think are important in life. He says they lack and they will hunger, but there's a group of people who lack nothing. It is those who seek the Lord. They, lack, they will not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I want to pause here for a moment. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Not to fear the Lord, but the fear of the Lord. There's a difference. There are things in life that we are afraid of, but there's a person in life that we should understand the fear of. This is the fear of the Lord, not to fear the Lord. This I couldn't find a really good explanation for the fear of the Lord. Those of you who've grown up in church, you know that this word doesn't mean to like be afraid, but it actually kind of does. It means to tremble a little bit. Like there's some things in life that scare you, um, but that fear should be reserved for the Lord. And so this word means to like revere or to be in awe, but the, the best way that I could describe this word fear is to be startled with wonder to be startled with wonder, to take your breath away or to gasp. So here's what the psalmist is saying when he says, let me teach you the fear of the Lord. I'm just going to demonstrate it for you, okay? This is what it means to, to the fear of the Lord. Are you ready? <gasps> Where it literally takes your breath away. That's the word. When was the last time you were startled with wonder because of the Lord? We've probably been afraid of or startled with wonder by many things that the world tells us we should pay attention to. But the Lord today is saying, no, 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 come back, come back here. Come over here. I, I see it, but come over here. Let me show you. Let me show you what I'm doing. Let me remind you who I am. 
Let me show you my character once again. This is the fear of the Lord. So verse 12, moving on. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? So why do we need to make sure we elevate the right names in our life? Why do we need to make sure that we're not giving too much weight to the wrong things? Because if we wanna live a good life, if we wanna live many days and see good, we have to elevate the right name. And then the psalmist tells us how we do this. Check this out in verse 13. He says, if you wanna live a good and happy life, then keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. So what are we talking about? We're talking about magnifying the name of the Lord, exalting the name of the Lord. The names and the things that you lift up and you talk about in your life are literally producing life or death. Oh, magnify the name of the Lord. Is there more talk coming out of your mouth about the evil things or the bad things that are happening? Or is there more talk about magnifying the name of the Lord? This word evil literally means uh, like uh, bad things that are happening. Or it literally means bad things that are happening. Bad news is one's, one way it could be translated. Keep your tongue from evil. Keep your tongue from speaking. I'm not saying we don't talk about current events or talk. If we get a bad health report, we don't tell anybody about it. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, are we talking about it too much? Oh, magnify the name of the Lord. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. So life and happiness, the Bible says, comes, begins with the names that we speak with our mouth. What names are we giving too much weight to? Verse 14, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And then verse 15, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The Lord hears you. He hears you. He hears what you're saying. He's listening and he's always there if you'll reach out to him. He's wanting to hear. And, and here's the good news about this. You may be listening today and you're like, well, if you saw what I did last week, man, I'm not very righteous. It really doesn't matter what you did. We are the righteousness of Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. So we're righteous not because of our ability to be righteous. We're righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago. It's his righteousness. That's why it's his name that should be magnified. That's why it's his name that we should talk about. That's why it's his name that should be famous and fill the earth. It's his name. There's many names that are being made famous and filling the earth. But there is one name that we as the people of God should magnify and exalt above every other name. I'm not saying we don't talk about the things that are happening. I'm just saying there's one name that should be lifted high above them. There's one name. There's still only one name that people can run to. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord, check this out. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. He sees what's happening in your life. He sees what people are doing to you. He sees what's happening in the world. He's not aloof. He understands. His face is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Some translations say to remove their memory from the earth. God will have his way. He will have his way. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. There it is again. And he delivers them out of all of their troubles. It is the Lord who delivers now, I know that I'm, I'm speaking to a group of people that are really in love with Jesus, so this may be a reminder for you, but don't ever get sidetracked. There's only one name that will deliver you. There's only one person that can deliver you. 
It is the name of Jesus. We got to keep our focus on him. And he delivers them out of all of their troubles. Verse 18, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and he saves such as have a contrite spirit. So I want to take just a couple minutes and minister to those of you that are walking through intense levels of pain. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. There's only a couple times in scripture where we see that the Lord comes really, really close. Um, He talks about coming close when we cry out to him. And that doesn't just mean like a loud yell. It literally means like a cry, like a child sobbing. He's close when you're crying. He's close when your heart is broken. So one of the things that God chooses to use in life is pain. And people that are walking through intense levels of pain have an opportunity to be closer to God than ever before in their life. I don't know why he set it up that way. That's just what the scripture says. I can tell you I've experienced that in my own life. I've walked through real tragedy in my life. I've lost loved ones in my life. I've been in situations that uh, almost took my life away. I know what it's like to be in deep pain. And I can tell you that God is close to the brokenhearted. But listen, he says this, he goes on to say this, and he saves, which, which literally means to bend down and pick them up of the, out of the position that they're in. He saves such as have a contrite spirit. Now, we don't use the word contrite very often in our English vernacular, but um, the Hebrew word for contrite is the word dakah, D-A-K-K-A. And it means to be broken, Um, But it literally means to be crushed into a powder. (laughs) How many of you feel like you've been crushed into a powder ever? (laughs) So he's not just talking about being broken a little bit. He's talking about those that feel like they are literally dust. Dust. The Lord will come down and he will save them. And, And you know why I believe personally why he does that is because If you've been crushed to a place where you're a powder or you're dust, um, you're very pliable. God can do something with that. He talks a lot about taking your heart of stone and making it soft. And for many of us, we walk through that process, but he's not just trying trying to soften up the rough edges. He's trying to completely crush that heart of stone and make it like dust again so he can make something brand new. So the pain, King David understood this, the pain, the brokenness is an opportunity for God to be near. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and he saves such as have a contrite spirit. Verse 19, then the Bible promises us that if we love God, we're going to have afflictions. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all out of all of them. I don't know when your deliverance is going to come, but I can tell you it's going to come. I don't know if it's going to happen in this life. I don't know if it's going to happen in the next life, but the Lord promises, and I can tell you that his word is true. His word is true. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in my family's life. He will deliver you out of all of them. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. So don't be confused. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get caught off guard when affliction comes, when a bad health report comes. When a loved one passes away, don't get confused. Many, of, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the, we have a deliverer. That's what the Bible is saying. We have a deliverer. 
The rest of the world doesn't have a deliverer. That's why they create all of these new organizations and create all of these new systems and create all of these new laws because they don't have a deliverer. But we have a deliverer. His name is Jesus. And he finished the work. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Verse 20, this is a direct reference to Jesus on the cross. He guards all of his bones, speaking of God. Not one of them will be broken. Jesus hung on the cross and most people who were crucified, some of you know this if you study crucifixion, most people who were crucified would hang there for uh, 12 to 48 hours, and to expedite the death, they would break the legs of the victim so that they would suffocate, because when you're hanging on a cross, you're literally suffocating to death, and you're pulling yourself up on that bottom nail to get a breath, and that's what you're doing. Romans were experts at crucifixion, um, and they were going to break Jesus' legs, but it had been prophesied that not a single bone in his body, although almost every bone in his body was exposed, not a single one was broken. They didn't have to break his legs. He had already, he had already died. So not a single bone would be broken. A direct reference to Jesus. I'm going to read the, the final portion of this, and then I'm going to tell you what we do about reordering our life and putting the right names in the right place. But I'm going to read the, the last part of this out of the Passion Translation, which has become one of my favorite translations of the Bible to read lately. The Passion Translation, verse 21. It says, Evil will cause the death of the wicked, for they hate and persecute the devoted lovers of God. This just means that um, people, evil will catch people in its own trap. People will get caught in their own trap. Evil will cause the death of the wicked, for they hate and persecute the devoted lovers of God. This should help some of us um, who are really angry with things that are happening in your life or really angry with things that are happening in society. Uh, God promises that the vengeance is his, and evil itself will take care of the wicked ones. Make no mistake about it. God will hold them guilty and punish them. They will pay their penalty. Verse 22 I love how this reads in the Passion Translation. But the Lord has paid for the freedom of his servants. Now listen to me. The Bible says that evil will cause the death of the wicked. So all of us, the Bible says, are sinners and have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us deserve death. All of us deserve to fall into the own trap, our own trap that we've set for ourselves, and evil and wickedness. All of us, myself included. Just because I'm on stage with the microphone doesn't make me immune. We all have issues in our life. And so this is a warning that make no mistake about it, God is going to deal with wickedness, but the Lord himself has paid for the freedom of his servants. And he will freely pardon those who love him, who love him. They don't just say that they love him. They don't just come to church they don't just call themselves a Christian. They are in love with him. That word, the, the, the Greek word that is used for love is this word gnosko. It's actually the same type of word that you find in Genesis where the Bible says that um, God created Adam, then he created Eve, and Adam and Eve knew each other. They were intimate together. So the Lord is saying, I don't just want you to know about me. I don't want you to just come to church and, and learn about me. I want you to be in intimate relationship with me. There is freedom available for those who are in intimate relationship with me. He will declare them free and innocent when they turn to hide themselves in him. When they turn to hide themselves in him. So 
Here's what I want to do as we close. There are many things in our lives that we have elevated to a place where, if we're honest, they probably don't need to be. So today, I want to give all of us an opportunity to simply return to God. Return to God. We have all elevated things in our lives. We have elevated the names of things in our lives to a place that are holding too much importance. But where is the reverence in your life and in mine for the name of God, for the fame of God? So I want you to hear me. This is not, um, this is not bad news. This is good news. Because for many of us, we didn't even realize that we had some things out of order in our life. And many of you, I'm sure, as you're listening, you're thinking, well, okay, yes, there are some things that maybe I have elevated above the name of Jesus. This is not bad news. This is not, uh, this is not condemnation. What you're feeling is conviction, and conviction is a good thing. You know what conviction is? Conviction is a little poke from the Holy Spirit that says, hey, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that anymore. It's been paid for, so let's stop doing it. So let's stop doing it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray over us and then we're going to have a response time and the prayer team will come down here to the front. And if you feel like there's some things in your life that you had out of order, this is not a time for condemnation. This is a time to just say, God, I'm coming back to you. And if that's you today, then there's going to be a prayer team up here. You can come forward. Or if you need prayer for anything, you can come forward. But I want to ask all of us just very quickly, just to bow your heads and close your eyes, because I want to pray just over all of us. Because I know there may be some of us here that, um, maybe if you're honest, you've never, you've never really come to God in the first place. For some of us Christians, we need to deal with the fact that we've got to return to God. We've got some things out of order. But maybe there's somebody here today that you don't need to return to God. You need to come to him for the first time. Can I tell you, there is an ocean of grace available for you. He loves you. And if that's you today and you're here, it's no coincidence that you're here. He set that up for you. He loves you. He's been pursuing you your entire life. And so I want to pray for all of us. And then in a moment, we're going to have a time where you can come to the front to meet the prayer team. But if you're here today and you say, Jake, I am far from God. I haven't had a relationship with him. And I'm just going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I just want you to just slip your hand up very quickly all over this room and just say, that's me. I want to be counted in. I want to come to Jesus. Yes. Great job. All right, here's what we're going to do. Whether you raised, whether you raised your hand or not, if you want to come to the Lord for the first time, all I'm going to do is lead you through a simple prayer to reorder your life and make Jesus first place. You say, dear Jesus, forgive me for living life my own way, for elevating so many things above you. God, forgive me for my sin and my mistakes. And I believe that you died for me. all of us here today. We thank you that you're teaching us how to love you, how to honor you, how to lift up your name, 
because your name is worthy of praise, God. It deserves to be magnified and lifted up to the best place of honor in our lives, to the most holy place. God, to you forever goes glory and honor and power. Your fame fills the earth. Your love fills the earth. So we lift high your name today, Lord Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives and what you've started even now through this message. We love you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you, church.